Are you looking for a 100% free video conferencing solution that does so much more than bring people together through group chat? Well, the solution is called Video Ninja, and it's a free peer-to-peer browser-based video conferencing tool. How about adding your audio and video feed directly into OBS Studio using the browser source? You have so many capabilities from the director or admin panel that gives you the flexibility to not only edit, modify, or transfer virtual guests to other video conferencing rooms. Today we're talking with the developer or creator behind Video Ninja, Steve Seguin, on his latest release, version 20. He's added new and improved features for the director and co-director. Yes, that's right, co-director. Somebody else to help manage guests, recordings, and live streams. Steve has added new status icons, signal meters, battery life for your iPhone or Mac. Plus, what about a customized URL for your co-director and a separate button for invite instead of adding it into the URL? Ever have issues with your camera during a live stream event? Well, guess what? The director has full capability to the current camera to go ahead and refresh it so you don't have any downtime or any mishaps during the live stream. Let's welcome Steve to the show. Steve, welcome to the show, man. Long time no see. Hey, John. Thank you. It's nice to see you. Yeah. You know what, Steve? You've been really busy the last few months. You said that version 19, was a 19.4 proven to be really stable. So you've been working on a, a lot of key features for version 20. Uh, a, lo a lot of uh, larger features that users have wanted to experiment with. A lot of quality of life improvements. Um, a lot of auxiliary tools as well. We're going to talk about some of those key features and how about we jump right into it and talk about the two screen sharing features that I noted. One of them was a screen sharing mode that supported the transfer room. What is that all about? Okay. Uh, there, there's a new screen sharing mode. Um, so if I come into Video Ninja as a guest, um, normally when you do a screen share, it creates an iframe. Uh, and so you have a separate Video Ninja session contained within the group room. Uh, there's a new uh, screen sharing mode called, uh, I'm calling it SS type equals three because there's a total of three different screen sharing modes. Uh, but in this mode, uh, the screen sharing is actually um, a, sec a secondary track on the peer connection itself. Uh, so, it looks and acts very similar to the old screen sharing method, uh, but it works with echo cancellation now. Um, it's not it's not the primary method of screen sharing since it has some limitations. Uh, when you're trying to isolate streams, it's it's a little bit harder when you have two video tracks on the same connection uh, versus two tracks on different connections. If that makes sense. Just, just more ways of screen sharing. If you have problems with echo cancellation, this new screen sharing mode uh, could perhaps allow you to uh, screen share the desktop. Now you mentioned that there are three different types. What are the other two types? The second type, um, or the third type, would be just replacing your 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 actual camera feed, your primary camera feed, with the screen share. So when you screen share, it just switches your primary camera over to your screen share. And when you stop the screen share, it switches back to your primary camera. Now, why would someone use that versus the other? There's one track in, in that case. So if you have limited upload bandwidth, it switches over 
um, all the bandwidth from your webcam to your screen share. So you're not having to upload two streams at once. It also simplifies uh, stream management. Instead of having um, multiple tracks to manage, you can manage just one. Um, perhaps you're using OBS as a, as a virtual camera source. Okay, before we get to some of the director, co-director updates, because as you know, Steve, I'm a huge fan of the director and the addition of the co-director that you added. I even actually did a video on it. In fact, folks, take a look up here on my video around the co-director. I actually, I love that feature, but before I get to that, you also have some new screen sharing layouts. You wanna talk about them? Sure. It's a little hard for me to, um, to, to visualize. Maybe I can try though. The notion is previously, all guests in a room, including the screen shares, had equal uh, proportions. Uh, in this new screen sharing mode, uh, when you screen share, uh, let me screen share myself here, uh, other guests um, in a room get pushed to the, to the side and the screen share takes uh, the majority of the screen. So when, you, when someone screen shares, that screen share now takes full screen or near full screen it takes also additional bitrate, So you get higher quality, more resolution on that screen share and less on the guests. And once you stop screen sharing, it goes back to the way it was. Nice addition for version 20. All right, now let's talk about the director and co-director updates. And I have a list of them here from the version 20 notes. In fact, folks, I'm gonna include the version 20 notes in the description below. Also how you can contact Steve on provide some feedback. So Steve, let's talk about that. There's improved functionality and permissions. Issue commands to fix those rainbow puke. Do you want to talk about those? Well, in terms of rainbow puke, um, on, on one upside with the next release of OBS 27.2, I believe, uh, there shouldn't necessarily be any rainbow puke problems with OBS anymore. I think they're, they've updated the uh, core Chromium code. So we get access to new codexes like AV1, no more rainbow puke proms, uh, better packet loss, better sync, uh, just because OBS is now updating uh, the code about, to about a two, two and a half year newer uh, version of Chromium. But in the meantime, there's added functionality to do um, a lot of hotkey functionality. So you can program the director room with your stream deck. So you can issue commands like doing a key request. Uh, you can add individuals to these groups uh, via hotkey now. So you can program your stream deck to control those. Now, does this go along the lines of the video that I did for integrating the MIDI controls with uh, your stream deck? Now I can also integrate some more additional hotkeys with my stream deck for Video Ninja? Yeah, there, there's two ways of doing it now. You have the MIDI uh, support, which, which you covered, and that's only been developed more and more, but there's also a, um, an API that's web-based. So you can use WebSockets or HTTP GET requests and issue even more commands, uh, than what's available with MIDI. And this, this uses a server. So the command goes to a server and then is routed, uh, to any guest or any director to mute, to add to a room or whatnot. Um, a MIDI command would be direct from your local device directly into uh, 
the studio without going through the internet. But you have two different ways of issuing those commands. Uh, the rainbow puke option is available in both. I think I'm going to need to do a separate tutorial on that because there's a lot of information and there's a lot of power available. Uh, there's a lot to go into. If you have used companion, uh, the companion tool by Bitfocus, um, that, that's like a Stream Deck plugin that allows you to hotkey everything. Uh, they've recently added a plugin specifically for video ninja support. So it, it's it's pretty exciting to see it being adopted by the community. Okay, let's go back to the director screen. I have to talk about this right away because I just noticed some additional status icons on the director screen, not only in the upper left corner, but your audio. I see the audio bar going up and down. Let's talk about some of those status icons because I think that's a cool visual ad. Okay. So there's there's a few different volume uh, meter styles you can choose from. Uh, the director has a, more of a VU meter style, uh, and guests have more of a, just a, a flashing dot meter style, but you can switch between them in, in either view if you want to. It just shows you activity, relative loudness. Then we have a, a little signal meter here. Um, that triggers uh, green when the connection's good and orange or red when the connection is bad. Uh, you click on it, for example, and you get the stats for that user brought up. You could also bring up the stats holding controller command, clicking on the video, increase discoverability. And you can do things like look at the packet loss to see why the connection is particularly suffering. If you have a guest that connects with a mobile device, something that has a battery, you'll also have a little battery icon show up. You know what, I think I'm gonna have to put that in because I think that's awesome that you added the the battery status as a director. You have some guests that are joining and you know, those people, you forget to charge your phone. You're like, hey, listen, we got to wrap it up with you. You've got X percent left. We got to get you off before you just drop out. We want a nice smooth transition. It gives you um, the amount of battery left, but it also tells you whether they're charging their device or not. And it's pretty important, especially if you're on, let's say a Mac, um, a MacBook to be plugged into the wall because there's aggressive power throttling if you're if you're not connected to the power outlet. So if someone if a guest connects without power, you can clearly see that now and that's um, something that you should address. What is the flame icon? I read a little bit about it, but I, I want some more information. Oh, uh, this the status icon will turn into a flame. Uh, the color doesn't mean anything. The color just implies the connection status. But if we look in the stats here, there's there's um, quality limitation reason, and that indicates whether your CPU is overloaded or whether your network is uh, a problem. A flame simply is the interpretation of your CPU is overloaded. Not necessarily the viewer, but the publisher who's setting that video. If it turns into a flame, it means their CPU is probably over 80%. And the browser will be limiting the encoding and sending performance to prevent it from hitting that 100%. Now, if I'm recording, does that affect the local recording for Video Ninja or the quality of that or the audio? If, if you're doing a local recording um, yeah. and then you see a flame, yeah. uh, a flame implies that the, the guest who has the flame could have better uh, video quality or audio quality if they freed up additional CPU usage. So it it would affect um, potentially all aspects of the system. If you're doing a local recording and there's a flame icon, uh, 
there's a potential that the local recording could stutter because you're at 100% CPU load, um, or or it could look fine. Um, it's it's more of a a, a warning um, than necessarily there is a problem. Something that you should address for production, though. All right, so it's a good status indicator that you should address that ahead of time going into any type of recording. All right, I like that. It's a good feature for it. What about the uh, join the room as a participant? I noticed that was an ad in version 20. There's a new button here, join room as participant. It's a little bit different than a director will be performing as well. The main aspect here is there's been a lot of people who've been joining Video Ninja looking to create a room and they end up in the director's room expecting more of a, a conference-like app. And uh, this button is my attempt to let someone create a room and join it uh, as they would a, a conference. So you, you get an invite link, you can share that invite link with friends and everyone is a performer. There's no... Uh, okay, so basically uh, if, they get, if they get to the wrong screen as they, you know, they opened up the director and trying to create a room. If you join as a, as a participant rather than as a director, I, um, it's an experiment, but I, I try to just take feedback from users and see when I when they run into problems and try to figure out solutions to those problems. Uh, I'm hoping this button is a subtle nudge to those people who are trying to create a room uh, in for more of a conference application. So everyone, Steve's looking for some feedback. If you're utilizing this button or if you like the feature of the button and you notice that you're clicking that instead of going to a room, is it a good button? Does it indicate where you should go or did it direct you to the right path? Go ahead, do me a favor, comment down below. You can also reach out to Steve. We'll tell you how at the end of the show. So Steve, let, let me ask you a couple more questions on the director and co-director. There is a refresh to camera for guests. Now, I like okay. that, but why would you do that? Some users have, let's say, a USB 3 camera and their USB port will either go to sleep when they're on battery power on some, let's say, Windows laptops. Uh, after maybe 30 minutes, or maybe they have like a cam link and they don't have the best USB 3 connection. They're not using a good quality cable or maybe they're on a USB hub. What happens with those devices is the camera can sometimes uh, freeze or glitch and it requires uh, disconnecting and reconnecting the camera for it to unfreeze. If you're a director and you notice one of the guests camera freezes, Sometimes Video Ninja can't detect when that happens, if it's at like a system level. And so the director needs to refresh the camera device. Um, previously, you'd have to switch off and on the camera. With this, you can just press the button and it seamlessly uh, just reconnects it. All right, do you wanna show everybody where that button's at? Now, I'm not sure you wanna press it since you're probably using the same camera and then it would disconnect our refreshers. <laughs> uh, it probably wouldn't be a problem for us, but we, we can see what happens. So if we go into the video settings at the bottom here, uh, there's a refresh button. Um, you have all these choices of selecting different cameras uh, of the guest, but if we hit refresh, it it just causes the uh, the guest video to, to refresh pretty seamlessly. So if it, if it was frozen, uh, it's kind of like one of those emergency options. You can just refresh it. It, it rarely ever freezes like uh, I've only seen it with a couple USB 3.0 cameras happen when there's a bad 
a USB 3 connection, but you have the option. Um, it's a little different than if you switch the camera to something else, it changes to request and request actually requires the guest to approve that change. While if you do a refresh, uh, no approvals needed since the camera is already selected. Okay, I like that permission, that add that extra security feature. I was actually gonna ask you when you change the camera, I'm thinking, well, how does the guest get notified that you're switching cameras if they have multiple? But I like the pop-up or the notification that, hey, listen, the director would like to change your camera. Do you accept and you can move on? But uh, as you indicated, a quick refresh on the current camera works out great. Now there are multiple options within the director panel. My question for the refresh of the camera, could you use that in conjunction with the flame where you're high throttling CPU and you just want to refresh that maybe connection? Maybe is that a correlation or are they two separate things? Uh, if someone has the flame icon, what you need to do is you can use one of these new features here as well, where you could actually just lower the resolution. Um, if, you, if you hold uh, control down, um, it will let you adjust um, the width and the height with a fixed aspect ratio, or you can uh, use these to crop the video um, to the person. Uh, so that's kind of a neat feature, but by lowering this down uh, to something low, you're actually telling the camera um, to output a smaller video from the camera. And you can just see from the visual image here that as I uh, lower this down, um, when I go to one-to-one -one pixel, actually, it freezes the camera. So what I could do is, well, it actually killed the, the stream. <laughs> um, so kind of interesting though, but uh, you, you can actually lower the resolution down. And if you lower it down, uh, well, that's why the browser crashed. So you don't want to do one-to-one, one-by-one pixels because Chrome will crash. If someone does have high CPU, you can just lower the resolution to something like 300 and that should avoid uh, CPU issues because you're not encoding as a high resolution. All right, I, I do like the features and the controls for the director. Speaking of the director and the co-director, you have a new label feature that automatically labels who is the main director. And then I wanna talk about the welcome message before we move on. So a director has a, a room setting button where you can customize the room a little bit. Uh, I'll be adding more and more functionality to this, but you can allow a co-director uh, before you had to do it all through the URL parameters. Now you have an option of doing it just through this link. So it's just a little more convenient. Uh, we can invite a co-director in, they're approved. And now the co-director knows who is the main director in the room. Uh, they're also a director, so they, see everyone who's in the room. So, you know, that's kind of cool. Co-director has very much close parity to what the main director has in terms of uh, control. So you can mute guests, adding a label, a welcome message. Uh, we have a show welcome message button here. Uh, we can add this via the URL or we can do it here. And it'll say, uh, welcome to the room, typos. And it then adds that message to the invite link. So when a guest joins the room, uh, they get the welcome message on the top of the screen as if it came from the director just welcoming them to the room. You can still send uh, guests messages, of course, mm -hmm. um, after the fact, specifically to individuals. Um, 
but it, just a default welcome message just so people get some sort of Steve, let me ask you a question with the co-director. It has all the same capabilities and permissions as the director, except for what are those? And I'm assuming it can't get rid of the main director, uh, obviously. But Correct. It, it, cannot, it can't transfer the main director. It cannot hang up the main director. And if there's something that it doesn't do, I'll, I'll, I'll add support for it. But it, it does support things like solo talk. Uh, so you can have the director and the main and the co-directors all talking individually to people as always steve likes the feedback well like i said at the end of the show we will talk about how you can communicate with steve so steve let's talk about a couple of things before we wrap it up let's talk about the fixes that you put in place and, and in fact i don't think there were many fixes but a couple of them that i wanted to note it uh the very first is you talked about this lazy load what is that lazy load is the notion of not loading media or, or assets uh until they're let's say visible or needed. So you, you kind of delay loading them or you only load them when you need them. Previously visited Video Ninja, there would be certain assets, certain images that would always load. Uh, in, in version 20, those are now delayed until they're actually visible. And that hopefully reduces the, um, the loading impact of, of the site. Well, one of those optimizations was, was lazy loading some media files and, and, and such that we're not. All right, now let's talk about two additions. Now, I think there were a couple of them, but two additions towards Apple products. One of them was the flickering on the camera for iPhones. What was happening there? Honestly, the, the, the cause of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I simply debugged the issue where I started deleting elements on the screen um, until I found the element or the CSS that was causing the flicker. Uh, and then I more or less deleted or changed it in a way that it no longer caused that flicker. I, I don't quite know why or how it happens. It didn't happen very often for me, but I saw it happen a few times. Um, so I spent some time hunting that down just so that there's some added polish to the app. All right. Now, the other notable one was the support for the new MacBook Pro or the Mac M1s. What was the uh, support or fixes that you had to put in place to support that? One of the companion tools of Video Ninja is the Electron Capture app. And uh, a lot of users are using that as an alternative to OBS for browser source capture. There's certain advantages you can use there. Uh, it uses a lot less CPU than the current um, OBS implementation for browser capture, and it's more reliable. But uh, the, the previous release wasn't compiled for uh, the new M1 instruction set. Uh, the new version that came out, came out with version 20 uh, does contain a, a universal build. So we'll use either x86 or the ARM optimizations, depending on whether you're on the older Intel or newer Mac chips, which hopefully will just give you even better performance. Good, uh, support for not only the lazy load, but the new Apple products from the iPhone, the camera flicker and the new Mac uh, M1s. I want to talk about two more things before we wrap it up, folks. We're talking about version 20 release with developer and creator Steve Seguin for Video Ninja. By far, this is one of the awesome products that I've used so much. 
I continue to use and play around it, not only with OBS Studio, but for individual use of group conferencing. But I love the director and the co-director features that Steve has built into the product. I think that has made it so much more valuable. There's some other additions and ads that we all have and want. Steve's going to tell us how we can provide some feedback. Let's talk about the two last things. I did note on the version 20 release. Now, I did talk about the Raspberry Pi integration for Video Ninja, but I noted that you had a nice diagram, a nice picture of a GoPro to Raspberry Pi to live streaming and the codes on there. Can you quickly talk a little bit about that and how you even started this product? Where did it come from? The Raspberry Ninja project is a way of using Video Ninja without a browser. Instead, we're using Python code and a media framework called GStreamer. And this works with Linux systems, uh, potentially could work with Mac systems, but uh, it's been tuned and optimized for those running embedded hobbyist hardware. So a uh, Raspberry Pi and NVIDIA Jetson, uh, 10 to 40, $50 parts uh, that you can turn into a broadcasting encoder that streams to Video Ninja. Uh, it does that using the hardware encoder on these hardware devices. So you get 1080p streaming with very low power at very low cost. Uh, the first few versions that I put out were really focused on the embedded cameras on these systems, $10, $5 cameras that you can add in. But more and more users as they're using this, um, this product are finding that they'd rather use an HDMI input into the Raspberry Pi. And there are Raspberry Pi adapters out there that let you connect a professional camera over HDMI into the Raspberry Pi. For, for One of the main uh, advantages is you could plug a GoPro into this and the Raspberry Pi with the HDMI adapter would be about the same size as the GoPro. Um, combine that with a, a portable battery pack, you have something that's smaller than a DSLR that you can carry around with you and that you can stream wirelessly uh, to Video Ninja with the lowest latency out there. And because it's hardware encoded, uh, you're getting exceptional battery life as well. You can run for hours on a battery where uh, existing solutions for the Raspberry Pi that try to do something similar are either very high latency or they limit the resolution because they don't do hardware encoding. So Steve, I have a GoPro on my desk. I have a Raspberry Pi in the closet. I think this is one I might have to do a video on and test it out because I love the whole technology and the simplicity of putting everything together. I think this is a great creative project, something to mess around with and test out for some live streaming events. If you're an enthusiast right now or a hobbyist and you want to tinker, uh, you can spend an afternoon on some Sunday setting it up. It's what it's a great project for that. Um, it's an ongoing project. Um, hopefully within a couple months, it'll be uh, so streamlined that you can just plug and play everything and go. Don't forget to take a look in the description below where I'll have the version 20 release notes that will take you to this Sunday afternoon project. But I think it's going to take you a little bit longer because you're going to think of all kinds of things that you can utilize it with. Please, please give some feedback in what you're using this for because I'd love to know what you put together. Okay, Steve, the last thing I want to talk about, and if we have some time really, is what is this social stream ninja? Now, I noticed that there's some automated commands as well, but can you quickly talk about this and how we can utilize it? Right. Um, 
so social stream ninja is an evolution on a previous plugin I made called chat overlay ninja. Uh, this takes things to the next level. One of the, um, neat aspects of this is you can take, uh, your live chat from YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, zoom, kind of wherever, uh, and it will stream that chat feed into a single dashboard where you can see all the chat messages on one single uh, page that can be added to OBS as an overlay. So you can show your guests all the incoming chat messages, or you can use it as a, a dashboard for, for controlling messages, highlighting messages, doing featured chat, where you can click on a message and it pops up as an overlay in OBS as a stylized feature chat. Uh, but then taking it even further, it has the ability to actually respond to chat messages back to the social networks. So you can actually send messages to Facebook, to Twitch, to YouTube, which, which is really kind of interesting. It's, it turns the plugin into a bit of a bot where not only can you use it to, uh, increase your production, but now you can have it do triggers. You can have it, um, say hello to guests that say hi to you. You can make games out of it. Uh, and it's fully programmable, fully extendable, open source. Uh, and there's really no servers involved. So unlike existing solutions, we have to sign in with social sign in, uh, and give your, your private information and chat information over to the, some server. Uh, this all stays, uh, local to you. And the way it's able to do that is it uses Video Ninja and it's peer-to-peer -peer functionality. So it uses Video Ninja without video or audio, but as a streaming data. So it will stream from your browser to OBS, to the chat overlay, to the feature chat, and it is bi-directional chat. Kind of cool. It doesn't go through the internet. So if you have thousands of messages a second coming in, it can still handle that because it's not really using your, your internet bandwidth. Okay, Steve, you meant, I, I know I said one more thing, but I, I want to talk about it. There were some term server changes, some upgrades, some changes, additions to the environment. Quickly, can you tell us what those were? To keep Video Ninja affordable, every, well, I, I, I try to buy um, dedicated kind of contract lengths on, on servers. Uh, because the, they are kind of expensive. So I'll, I'll do like a two year contract to get a price reduction. Uh, video ninjas approaching two years now. And, uh, some of the older turn servers I originally purchased initially, um, came up for renewal or are coming up for renewal. I pretty much have a better understanding over the last two years of where users are using video ninja, what services, what, what providers give me better quality. And so I made uh, a, a big investment in buying, uh, even better turn servers with better, um, hosting providers, um, to replace the old ones. And the same goes not only for the turn servers, but I've also done that with uh, the MeshCast servers as well. I know these do get expensive and you buy the longer term. I'm gonna encourage everybody because Steve won't do it. He's that humble. But take a look at the wiki. Take a look also at the Video Ninja homepage on how you can donate. 
I like to do it frequently as much as possible. Even every little bit counts because it goes towards this free, always free product that Steve constantly works on with the community. I use it. I know a number of people use it and the community is growing not only in the feedback, but also in the support. So Steve, thank you for developing a completely cool product. And you mentioned that it's going on two years. When was the actual official birth of Video Ninja? I, I, I didn't officially launch it, I think, until um, early 2020. I think I was using it in early 2020 when it, it or or was it late 2019? It was, it was around March. I, I think I, I launched it kind of on the large scale, but it, of course it, it, it took um, some months to, to build it out. Yep. Um, I, I've had a, a couple of servers that were on one-year contracts. Um, and, and those were like Black Friday sales I bought in 2020, November. Uh, some of those expired in November as well. So, you know, I, to, I'm constantly trying to, to, to piece together um, servers there. Uh, I, I do get some users... Um, offering to provide me servers, uh, but uh, just for privacy and security's sake, I, I'm 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 trying to t have ownership and, and manage them myself. Okay, Steve. As we wrap things up, let's talk about how does people get a hold of you? How can they reach out to you? I know I talked about Discord, but can you tell everybody what's the best way to provide feedback and to join the community? Uh, my preference would be to join the Discord. Uh, it allows me to have real-time chat with you, which saves a lot of time. Uh, there's a feature request channel there. If you have feature requests, put those requests in there. It allows me to um, keep on top of what's been requested in, in more of an aggregated way. Uh, there is also Discord. Um, Discord, you can make issue requests. Uh, it's, it's a little bit slower to communicate, I find. But if, if you're more comfortable with that, you can use that. Uh, the Discord... On desktop, you can visit uh, discord.video.ninja, um, or there's a link on the video.ninja website um, that you can click on. There, same with the um, the GitHub. You could always just, just Google GitHub Video Ninja, but it would be under my repository uh, as Video Ninja. Uh, so Steve's again on on GitHub uh, video.ninja would be the project. Uh, I'm also on Reddit. I'm going to put this link in the description below on how you can communicate with Steve. And don't forget, join the community and add that Discord. This has been a version 20 release of Video Ninja with Steve Sagan. Steve, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for recapping. I know you just released it within the last week and got the notes done. And here you and I are doing a quick recording. So thank you for joining me. I hope the folks enjoy it. They like the information and I hope they use the product a lot more. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, folks. This has been the Daily Tech Show. I've been your host, John Meyer. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because as always, I'm trying to bring you awesome content, including any information around Video Ninja and some quick tutorials. Until next time.